Welcome back to the Wikipedia podcast. I'm your host, Nina Yankovic, with another episode of Eastern Europe in Your Earbuds. Today, we're joined by Christian Davies, a journalist based in Warsaw. Christian and I met nine years ago at an event called Poland in the Rockies, where a bunch of young people get together and talk about Poland and its place in the world in the picturesque setting of the Canadian Rocky Mountains. If it sounds a bit like Polish Jamboree, it's kind of because it is. Today, we're both still working on the country and the wider Eastern Europe region. Lucky for you, Christian's here to explain what's been going on in Poland since November 2015, when a parliamentary election ushered in a new government that had a different idea for how to run things. This prompted many in the West to say that Poland, once a beacon of democracy for neighboring countries like Ukraine, was experiencing democratic backsliding. Christian's witnessed it all, and he's got some ideas about what lessons Poland might have to offer for the West and the U.S. in particular, in the brave new world of 2017. All right, so we are here in Warsaw with Christian Davies. Hi, Christian. Hi, Nina. How's it going? We're sitting across the table from each other, uh, drinking tea and eating pierniki, which are gingerbread, on Ponchki Day. Uh, Donut Day. What? Donut Day, indeed. Um, And no one calls it Ponchki Day in the United States. I don't know. They say Punchki, Punchki Day, which if you don't know, are delicious jelly donuts. And uh, I forgot that it was Punchki Day when I came here to Poland and was offered one this morning. And, and uh, it was pretty much the best thing that ever happened to me. So The actual name is Fat Thursday. Yes, Tłusty Thursday. So, uh, yes, that's a typical Polish bluntness for you. It's a real, real Polish holiday. So today we are going to talk about what the heck has been going on in Poland for the past, oh, God, year and a half now? Yes, 18 months or so, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Christian, you've been here for the majority of it. For all of it, yeah. All of it? Okay. So you've had a front row seat to the craziness. Uh, and what has been, if I'm not mistaken, the largest protest movement in Poland uh, since Solidarity, right? Uh, you mean the... Anti-abortion protests or the anti-government protests? Oh, all of them. All of the protests that have ensued as a result of the crazy times. In October, when there was a proposed total ban on abortion, which wasn't initiated by the government, but which looked like it might be supported by the government at one point, um, that was by far the largest protest, this um, street protest for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And that protest actually probably dwarfed the anti-government protests, which have not been in terms of Numbers on the streets, uh, particularly uh, particularly large. Mm. Um, so, although there is a very heightened sense of uh, ill feeling and political division and uh, rancorousness in society uh, at the moment, um, the protest movement, as such, uh, is um, is not that large. It's one of the reasons why uh, the government seems to uh, retain its confidence in what it's doing. Mm-hmm. And what? What is it doing, Christian? Can you explain it in layman's terms for people who might, you know, be Eurasia experts but not necessarily follow Poland or people who are just listening to this podcast out of the kindness of their hearts? Uh, what's happening in Poland and why does it matter? What's happening is uh, both very complicated and very simple. In uh, the end of t- 2015, Poland got a new government led by a party called Law and Justice, which has been around for some time. Uh, And uh, this party grew out of a split uh, in the old Solidarity elite, Solidarity uh, Trade Union, which had uh, 10 million uh, members and is credited with bringing down the communist regime. 
the solidarity elite then essentially uh, took over the country, although it was a negotiated transition, which meant that um, uh, some remnants of uh, the communist regime uh, in terms of personnel uh, remained uh, with some with some influence, but the institutions of the uh, of the old communist uh, Polish People's Republic were dismantled, um, and uh, the uh, anti-communist opposition essentially sl- split between a broadly pro-European, uh, broadly liberal, though liberal in a, a British sense, mm-hmm. not in a um, uh, American sense. Uh, moderate centre-right uh, party, which came to, uh, uh, after various manifestations, came to be the Civic Platform Party, uh, which is the party that governed between 2007 and 2015, uh, until Law and Justice won. Uh, and the other part of the anti-communist opposition uh, gradually, uh, I'd say congealed, which is not a very pleasant word, but it, it essentially settled around... Um, uh, more radically uh, right-wing, more socially conservative, more pro-Catholic, and more Eurosceptic uh, ideas. Uh, and both were parties of the right. The left was discredited for a very long time uh, because of its associations with communism and so on, and because it's, Poland still remains a relatively socially conservative society, although that can be overstated. Um, uh, but, but really the main division between these two forces, which have essentially been the two forces competing in Polish politics uh, since the mid-2000s, uh, is not so much ideological, but uh, quest- divided over the legitimacy of the republic that replaced the Polish People's Republic. Mm. Uh, the current republic is known as the Third Republic. Uh, the Second Republic was the Interwar Republic. The first one was the old Rzeczpospolita, meaning the Commonwealth, which was uh, the pre uh, 18th century partition of Poland. Mm-hmm. And the Third Republic is the shorthand for the democratic institutions that uh, replaced the Polish People's Republic. Now, uh, the pro-European moderate centre-right civic platform party is essentially made up of people who believe that the transition was a success uh, and that the democratic institutions that, were, that replaced the Polish People's Republic uh, are democratic and legitimate um, and should be accepted. Uh, and law and justice is more, uh, uh, the supporters are more driven by a sense um, that the transition was incomplete or that was unsatisfactory, whether economically or politically or, or socially. Um, uh, and law and justice has, uh, although it's commonly described as a conservative party, it's much uh, uh, more accurate to describe it as a reactionary uh, or uh, radical, uh, radical conservative, uh, radical even nationalist party. Although uh, in Poland, nationalist uh, uh, has certain connotations, which uh, which we could go into. But uh, Poles uh, on both sides would object to the word, uh, often object to the word nationalist. Mm. But essentially, uh, Law and Justice uh, is a party uh, which is founded on the idea that the transition was so deeply flawed that the current institutions are not legitimate. And it has tasked itself um, with the mission of uh, reformulating, re-polonizing, uh, democratizing, there are all kinds of euphemisms are used, but essentially uh, it boils down to uh, a mission to capture Poland's independent institutions 
the ruling party to take control of uh, the hitherto independent uh, uh, arms of the state and to remodel it in such a way that really serves the ordinary, uh, ordinary citizen. Um, the language is, is highly ideological, but essentially uh, it can be seen as a, uh, as a, as a power grab. Uh, and what has happened in the last 18 months, uh, actually in a way that has surprised a lot of people, including a lot of people who voted for law and justice in the 2015 presidential and parliamentary elections, they were two separate elections, is uh, they have, uh, the means to undermine the state has been essentially to create a parallel state and to create parallel institutions which undermine uh, the functioning of the current Third Republic uh, from within. Uh, and I'll take you through uh, a few uh, examples. The most obvious one is that law and justice uh, is led by, and Poland is run by, uh, a man is called Jarosław Kaczynski, who a number of people will have heard of, who does not actually hold any formal office. Uh, formally, legally speaking, he is just a regular backbench MP who doesn't even have a ministerial portfolio, let alone uh, a uh, position at the, uh, uh, at the head of government. Uh, he um, uh, operates out of his party offices in uh, central Warsaw. But everyone is aware, and this is not really denied even by uh, supporters or indeed uh, senior officials of law and justice, that Jarosław Kaczynski is essentially uh, uh, runs the government. And he famously doesn't have a computer or a bank account, right? Uh, he, he may, the, at one point he didn't, he, he didn't have a bank account. Um, uh, he is a, uh, uh, was known uh, to be, uh, I don't know how to put it, Luddite or untrustworthy of, yeah, of, not, of his own country's uh, financial institutions? Not the most in, independent character. I mean, living with his mother um, <laughs> well into his, uh, I think, 50s or 60s, not having a bank account. He's famous for his love of his cat. None of these things are, <laughs> are in themselves uh, anything that I would criticize any, anyone for. Cats are fine. Um, cats are absolutely fine. Um, but... Uh, uh, more worryingly than, than all of that is the fact that he runs, uh, he has power without responsibility. Mm -hmm, he uh, handpicked uh, the presidential candidate, who was, um, quite frankly speaking, a, uh, an absolute nobody, a mm -hmm. uh, member of the European Parliament called uh, Andrzej Duda, whose main, um, uh, the main source of his being an, an electoral asset was that he was young and had a sort of slightly uh, sort of shiny face and a smug look on his face <laughs> and uh, it wasn't clear what he stood for he just stood for um, shininess and uh, and newness uh, and he came up against what was a lot of people including supporters of uh, civic platform who lost uh, both elections they, they had controlled the government and the presidency uh, a lot of civic platform supporters would acknowledge they didn't run a very impressive presidential uh, campaign. Mm -hmm. um, Law and Justice first, uh, uh, in the summer of 2015, took the uh, presidential palace, which in Poland uh, has quite a lot of power. It's still semi-ceremonial, but uh, particularly of power of appointments and patronage and things like that. It's important. And uh, uh, Duda, this uh, man from nowhere, became, uh, became the president. Um, and then uh, when the parliamentary elections in October 2015, 
Uh, Kaczynski then handpicked Duda's campaign manager, a woman called Beata Shidwa, who again had very little profile or uh, no one really knew who she was to be the candidate to be prime minister. And uh, no one, including people who may be very hostile to what I say generally about Poland Polish politics, no one would deny that Jarosław Kaczynski not only has, uh, that they answer to him, but that the, the, the government as a whole uh, answers to him. And you'll often see these pictures of uh, panels that they're on together where he's in the middle. Not the president, not the prime minister, but... Yes, I mean, they, they very obviously uh, defer to him uh, in public. Um, uh, he is uh, the sort of, uh, um, obsequiousness in which he is treated in public by his uh, fellow party members is is pretty nauseating. I mean, they, they fuss over him. They're literally dusting down his shoulders uh, with their handkerchiefs. They give him stand, long-standing ovations. Um, uh, the pro-government press award him uh, with uh, made-up uh, awards, which never used to exist. Um, uh, and uh, he sometimes uh, tries to claim that he's a humble uh, backbencher, but in a sense, this is this is almost to provoke uh, anger from the from the liberals who uh, um, they, they just don't like him. I mean, they're, they're very worried about him, and it's it's almost he has a twinkle in his eye when he when he tries to claim that mm-hmm. uh, he's sometimes now referred to as Poland's leader. Um, uh, and if I was to make a, a historical allusion, I mean, some uh, people, uh, I think, completely wrongly seem to. Try want to draw to parallel, seem to want to draw parallels between him and uh, Marshal Józef Pilsudski, who delivered Poland from uh, Polish independence in uh, 1918. Um, and uh, Polish politics between 1918 and 1926 was very dysfunctional, and Pilsudski came along and essentially uh, launched a coup d'état. Uh, and although he wasn't uh, the president or the or the prime minister of Poland then it's called the sanatia regime meaning the sanitation or cleansing uh, Pilsudski was a sort of uh, independence hero above politics but who nonetheless had the final word on matters of state and and uh, uh, Kaczynski hilariously seems to see himself in a uh, uh, in a similar position so that's the that's the uh, uh, the first thing um, and every now and again, something comes up that reminds polls that um, uh, who's really in charge. And in the early days of the uh, Duda's presidency, uh, he was, I think, photographed uh, visiting Kaczynski's home in the middle of the night, um, uh, which had shades of uh, Francois Hollande going to meet his uh, lover on a scooter, etc. <laughs> um, whereas the president of France visits his, his lover in uh, Poland, the president visits his leader. Um, and there's a simple reason, actually, why uh, Kaczynski doesn't uh, assume any form of office, which is he is extremely unpopular, actually, despite very clearly being uh, the animating force behind a government which still retains a very high degree of uh, popularity, particularly when you compare it with uh, other uh, political parties. May not be hugely popular generally, but but quite a quite a significant way ahead of. Uh, well, and not uh, only that, we're we're voted in with an absolute majority, which had never happened in modern Polish politics. Before. Well, I have to I have to take you up on that because that's not that's not strictly true. Oh, that, okay. is, that is that is something that um, law and justice like to say, uh-huh. and that has become. But but actually, what won the election was an electoral coalition, of which law and justice was the right. largest part. 
Um, but significant parts came from other the party of Zbigniew uh, Shobro, who's, um, who's Minister of Justice, and Yaroslav Govin, who's actually served in the civic platform government. Um, yes, you could say it was an electoral coalition which stood, which was formed before the election, and that, as a coalition, received a majority. But technically speaking, law and justice didn't receive a majority. But none of those, none of those parties seem to be going anywhere. So uh, no, although there is, of course, always speculation that one one might break away, and that the, that scene, there often are splits, and there have been splits in the past. Um, um, the Jobro party, and uh, in particular, and occasionally. The, the right flank of law and justice will um, uh, has in the past broken away, over, particularly over social and religious issues, mm-hmm. over abortion or the role of the mm-hmm. church, things like that. And that is one of the reasons why this government is tacking so far to the right is Kaczynski's determination that he won't be outflanked from the right, mm-hmm. uh, the right again. Um, but Kaczynski, as a personality, is not very popular mainly because he's been around for a very long time, and he and people know that he's a troublemaker, that he. Uh, uh, he speaks in this very vituperative, uh, bitter, uh, paranoid style, which appeals to a certain base in Polish society, uh, but which is um, uh, puts a lot of people off. And I think this is something very important uh, to observe, which is although uh, Poland is is uh, often um, uh, cast as being a uh, preliminary. Um, uh, preliminary episodes to the to Brexit and Trump and so on. Um, you know, Trump didn't run as a moderate. Trump ran, ran as a pretty radical candidate. Mm-hmm. Whereas Law and Justice, what happened with their elections is Kaczynski hid himself away and put up uh, what looked like pretty moderate, uh, pretty centrist candidates, and and that was the way they won was actually by. Um, by by being moderate and essentially being the other main party after one main party had been in power for a very long time. And they decided not to scare anyone off. But having won that election, um, they became more radical. Now, I've mentioned that there's a, essentially a parallel executive, which is a decision maker who doesn't have any, really actually any legal uh, responsibility uh, uh, for what he's doing. Um, uh, the second uh, issue is a parallel uh, legal system. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the most controversial uh, things that has happened uh, is that last time law and justice were in power, which is when they led a coalition between 2005 and 2007, uh, this coalition didn't last very long and it collapsed because essentially the relations between uh, the parties um, got really bad. There were allegations that law and justice were trying to uh, essentially frame their own coalition partners uh, for uh, on phony corruption charges so that they could then take over their supporters and so on. But it all, it all collapsed. Um, but it didn't collapse really because the, uh, the liberal opposition were uh, functioned so well. It was essentially because the Constitutional Tribunal, which is the equivalent of the American Supreme Court that essentially rules on the constitutionality of um, the actions of the government and various other bodies. Um, kept uh, thwarting them. I mean, they kept ruling that what they were doing was unconstitutional. Um, and it's very clear that having returned to power in 2015 with a second chance um, in his, whatever it is, mid to late 60s, probably his last chance to really transform Poland in the way he seems to want to do, Kaczynski's main target was constitutional tribunal. And they wanted to ensure that this wouldn't happen again. Um, they tried various different uh, legal manoeuvres to take over the court. They tried to um, 
uh, ironically, everything they tried to do with the Constitutional Court was unconstitutional. <laughs> but because the Constitutional Court kept ruling the uh, legal acts that, co- that concerned itself unconstitutional, uh, the government argued that it had a conflict of interest and didn't have a uh, didn't have a right to comment on the constitutionality of acts concerning the uh, the constitutional <laughs> court. I know it's slightly uh, slightly convoluted, but I, I will try to boil it down to to something simple. Essentially, there are all kinds of wranglings and unconstitutional maneuvers for the government to take control uh, of the court. The court ruled consistently that these attempted takeovers were unconstitutional uh, and were not legal. Now, the, the real source of the, um, uh, the controversy uh, is, is actually quite simple, and it should be simple for anyone to understand from any country, whether you're from Britain or America or Western Europe or, from, or indeed from Eastern Europe, uh, uh, Central or Eastern Europe or wherever else your, your listeners come from. Uh, there was last year a major ruling by the Constitutional Tribunal, that uh, the um, uh, the attempted reform uh, of that court was unconstitutional. Now, in Poland, the rulings of the Constitutional Court do not have legal force until they are printed. And essentially, there's a sort of uh, government gazette. There's a sort of there's a, a physically printed publication, printed whatever every day or every week mm-hmm. or on a regular basis. Um, and unless something is an act, you know, an act of parliament or an act of uh, ruling of constitutional court is included in that, it doesn't technically have legal force. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, probably for efficiency's sake, the the printer, the printing works that literally prints this thing is controlled by the government. Um, and uh, this is an example of one of those things which, until now, would have been regarded as well, I suppose. Theoretically, this could be a kind of loophole that would mm-hmm. that would allow the government to paralyze constitutional court. But essentially, what the government did is they ordered the printing press not to print uh, the ruling, the ruling saying that the constitutional uh, reform was unconstitutional, uh, and they they have flatly refused to print it. And this is this has happened on on a few occasions since. So this is not, for example, like in Hungary, where Viktor Orban got a constitutional majority mm-hmm. and. Uh, amended the constitution in such a way that undermined uh, the independent uh, functioning of certain branches uh, branches of the state. This was simply a refusal to print uh, the constitutional court, and essentially the government taking upon itself the right to decide whether uh, it wanted to, whether it approved of the constitutional court's ruling. Now, this is the government telling the uh, highest constitutional body. Uh, not even telling it what is constitutional, but simply deciding whether it should be enforced or not. Mm-hmm. That is the root of the constitutional crisis, uh, which is um, still ongoing, particularly between Poland uh, and the European Union, because the European Commission uh, has stated on numerous occasions that this is, uh, this is uh, unacceptable. Um, not because the European Union wants to bully uh, European member states, um, as the government claims, but because... Uh, Poland, as a condition of joining the European Union, has made certain con- commitments to uphold the rule of law. And since since this happened, the court hasn't been able to rule on any decisions. Well, they 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 carry on they carry on ruling, and if it's something that the government don't mind so much, it, it goes. They ahead. let it through. Okay. Uh, so that that was that was for the controversy for most of of twenty sixteen. Right. But essentially, some legal bodies and some authorities in Poland are now operating as if. Uh, 
the ruling of the constitutional tribunals were legitimate, and some are not. Mm -hmm. And, for example, some regional authorities which have to decide, uh, uh, you know, uh, councils, local authorities have to um, decide uh, how they operate. There are two versions of the law in Poland, one in which the constitutional tribunal's rulings, uh, which weren't printed, uh, are being respected, and one in which they weren't. And what you were getting were uh, authorities in which, um, which were controlled by opposition parties with respect to the rulings. And, in Pol- and uh, uh, ones which are controlled by law and justice, by the ruling party, were not. So, in addition to a parallel legislature, sorry, a parallel executive, uh, you have a parallel legal system where no one is quite sure what is uh, constitutional and what is not. So, for the majority of 2016, the uh, issue was the printing of the rulings and essentially the government uh, taking it upon itself to decide whether it approved of the uh, rulings of the Constitutional Tribunal or not. Since then, uh, in December, the president of the Constitutional uh, Tribunal, uh, his term expired, and there were some extraordinary manoeuvrings uh, about who should succeed him. Essentially, the, the judges on the court are supposed to caucus, supposed to get together and decide who their new president will be. But that gathering requires a quorum. And what happened was uh, the appointees to the court, which were appointed in the last year by law and justice, all took sick days, all on the same day. Oh, man. And denied the gathering uh, a quorum. Mm -hmm. Now, most of these judges were actually unconstitutionally appointed. Yeah. Uh, But they, nevertheless, they denied... Uh, the uh, the gathering at quorum. So the government responded by saying, well, if you can't decide amongst yourselves, the president will decide who the next uh, head will be. And um, would you believe it, they appointed one uh, of the law and justice appointees who had called in sick and had only been on the, uh, on, the on the tribunal for, for about a year. Um, that uh, essentially means that um, now, of course, every, every government appoints, um, uh, appoints judges to the tribunal, and so it doesn't necessarily follow that peace appointees uh, are more partisan than those uh, of others. Um, but their behavior suggests that that's exactly um, uh, what has happened. Um, the government has now uh, taken control of uh, the Constitutional Court because it now has a majority of people that are loyal to it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and they have essentially won that battle. I mean, uh, essentially the constitutional uh, tribunal is not really worth the paper it's written on. And if you don't have a functioning... If uh, they even decide to print it. If they decide to print it. (laughs) Uh, And uh, if you don't have a functioning constitutional oversight uh, of any kind, then you don't have rule of law because the government is no longer subjected to the law. Uh, And if you're not subjected to the law, you're essentially... Um, you can argue you're not a democracy. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, democracy is more than that, but um, at, a, at a very fundamental level, the rule of law is meant to be the basis of, um, uh, of well, really of all civilization. I mean, uh, maybe that sounds, uh, sounds pompous, but nonetheless, in Poland, there, um, you cannot say that ultimately, it doesn't mean the courts don't function, mm-hmm. but ultimately there, there is no longer any uh, de facto functioning uh, rule of law. Um, so, uh, in addition to a parallel executive, you have a parallel uh, judiciary. Now, in December, 
Um, uh, I won't go through all the various different stages as, as to why this happened. But essentially there was a, uh, um, a protest of opposition MPs uh, um, in the parliament because a, um, an opposition MP was thrown out by the speaker mm-hmm. um, for having a kind of uh, having a demonstration. Uh, that led to a sort of blockade of the podium. Uh, and the government, uh, uh, the ruling party, proceeded to have a parliamentary vote, not just any parliamentary vote, to vote next year's or this year's budget uh, with a show of hands in a nearby room. Um, now, this has been contested as to whether this was legal or not, but as far as I'm aware, an independent uh, commission ruled that it didn't look like there was a quorum, a sufficient number of uh, deputies. There were all kinds of allegations about opposition MPs being physically barred from uh, going into the room, um, that people who actually weren't MPs um, uh, were voting pretending to be government MPs, that some of the, the, the equivalent of congressional aides were uh, in the show of hands, that there wasn't uh, uh, sufficient means of um, checking. It, it, it didn't basically didn't fulfill the uh, fulfill the criteria that requires a, a legal vote. Um, so uh, although this is contested, it does um, appear that there was a uh, an illegal parliamentary session, or rather an illegitimate parliamentary session. Mm-hmm. And Poland is now being run, or will be run, with a budget that is of questionable, uh, questionable uh, legality. Um, this means, of course, that if, uh, for whatever reason, that the uh, the parliament is not functioning properly, uh, that if it's now okay to hold your own uh, votes, which aren't legal, which aren't, um, again, consistent with the constitution, you have a parallel legislature. Mm-hmm. So that is the three, the three branches of government, parallel executive, parallel uh, judiciary, or parallel legal system, and a, and, uh, a parallel legislature. Now, this is all justified in the sense that um, there was a quite well-known interview happened, I think, last week or maybe the week before with a senior government minister where he was asked by uh, German television, are there such things as, uh, that are more important than the law? Uh, <clears throat> and he cited Nazi Germany as an example was where you shouldn't necessarily uh, observe the law, which, which may be uh, a fair point if you did live in Nazi Germany, but the... Um, the interviewer said, but you don't live in Nazi Germany, you live in democratic Poland. And uh, the minister's response is simply that uh, we stand for law and justice. And sometimes justice is more important than the law. And this is something you have to understand about this, uh, this name of this party, law and justice. Mm-hmm. This is not about law and order, and it's not about social justice. Mm-hmm. It's about their law and their justice and the idea that uh, what preceded them was not legal and not just. Mm -hmm. uh, And therefore, uh, they now get to decide what is legal and what is just. Mm -hmm. Um, Since none of the institutions uh, are really legitimate unless they control them, um, then they have, including the constitution, then they don't have any obligation necessarily um, uh, to respect it. Now, um, this is why uh, the, uh, one of the key arguments of the opposition is that this is a return to communist Poland. Not because the, the law and justice are, necess- are communists, but that the fundamental uh, 
the, the governing rationale of the Communist People's Republic was that you had a ruling party that was above the law, that you had parallel structures uh, to which uh, indep- nominally in- independent institutions ultimately answer, and which ultimately decides what is legal and what is not, what is constitutional and what is not, what, um, uh, and that it is not subjected to any higher power. Um, and although uh, um, day-to-day um, the Communist People's Republic is not being uh, necessarily rebuilt, uh, you are seeing a, the construction of a political system that at its base has actually very similar principles, mm-hmm. which is the idea of a, of a single ruling party, which embodies the will of the nation. And th- these are phrases that are used. I mean, the, the will of the nation, the good of the, uh, the will of the people, um, you know, all kinds of uh, phrases that will be familiar that may not have been very familiar to people in Britain and America until quite recently. Um, And uh, that is why uh, Poland uh, is important, um, because in so many ways it's acted as a precursor to what you're seeing in other countries, particularly in America, Um, and to a lesser extent in, uh, in Britain. Brexit and Trump are sometimes uh, lumped together because, uh, in a a sense, the campaigns were kind of similar, but actually um, Trump is a much greater threat to America than uh, Brexit is to, uh, even to to British democracy. Um, The difference is that in Poland, uh, it's still a relatively young democracy. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, what is amazing... Uh, is to see how quickly and efficiently um, institutions that until very recently weren't perfect by any means, but basically functioned in an independent way, um, uh, are being captured. And on that optimistic note, we're going to have to call it a night. Thank you, Christian, for joining us. And we'll put in the show notes links to Christian's most recent articles. That's it for this month's episode. Don't forget, in addition to Eastern Europe in your earbuds, you can get it in your inbox every Sunday morning. Subscribe to the Beachipedia Weekly Newsletter at tinyletter.com slash W-I-C-Z-I-P-E-D-I-A. I'm Nina Jankovic, and this has been the Beachipedia Podcast. See you next month.